Everyone, give her a round of applause. Come on up here and let us give you this award. Oh, you really shouldn't have. Um, yeah, I don't deserve this. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So, join me on the flip as we get into imposter syndrome. I'll see you then. She's a fake, a fraud. Well, you know, she only got that position because of who she knew. On and on, I could imagine all of those things that were being said about me. And then one day, it finally happened. I happened to walk in on someone bad-mouthing my position and questioning my credentials, and it all came crashing down. Yes, so today we are going to be getting into imposter syndrome, as I like to call it, the best supporting actor award. Yeah. So in my neck of the woods, we actually call it a phenomenon. So it's imposter phenomenon because it shows itself in various ways in um, all walks and types of people, ethnicities, genders, however you want to identify. Imposter syndrome can show up. There are many backgrounds that we can look at. We can look at um, your family constellation, meaning how you grew up in the family. We can look at your personality. Oh, we can even look at uh, your different complexes and sense of self, uh, your locus of control, whether you look at it as internal, external, and on and on and on it goes. And thus, that's why it becomes a phenomenon. Um, so let me just give you a quick definition if you don't know what in the heck I'm talking about. Okay, so um, a brief definition of this imposter syndrome is a collection of feelings of an inadequacy that seem to persist despite evident success. You see, imposters, they because I'm, I'm working on mine and I, I think I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> Imposters suffer from chronic self-doubt and a sense of intellectual fraudulence that overrides any feeling of success or even external proof of their competence. And so uh, there is a, um, a pro um, in, um, in, in our realm that talks about this. And she talks about how uh, being a um, person plagued by imposter syndrome uh, can be attributed to people's need to have perfection, uh, especially when you're expert in something, uh, people who would like to go it along and be soloist, um, people who have high neuroticism in uh, their personality makeup, and so on and so on. And so I would like to say that if you're wondering, well, am I a person who has possible imposter syndrome? I'm just going to say that seven out of 10 people today uh, suffer with it in some form or fashion and that it applies to anyone who isn't able to internalize their own success. And when I say internalize, appreciate, own it, accept it. Uh, you're always waiting to be found out, to be discovered, to be um, captured, nabbed. Um, you're always thinking that, oh my God, I'm fooling these people and somebody is going to find out and it's going to be bad. Okay. And so when you look at it, it, it really deals with a whole bunch of self-denial and self-doubt. 
And so uh, dealing with this today, uh, I, I wanted to take time because coming into the holiday season, and I'm, I'm when, when you hear this, it'll be the beginning of holiday season. There are a lot of people that have a lot, a lot I call them cocktails and cornucopias, <laughs> horn of plenty, if if you will, of uh, issues that get sparked during this time because it's a social time. And if you've spent the entire year being by yourself or just with you, yours, and no more, um, you don't have as much of uh, the awareness of, of this imposter syndrome as you might think. Now, you could, you know, it, it, I, I can't say categorically, but it's something about having to go to uh, holiday parties and mix with different types of people that this might come up for you. So allow wisdom to love on you a little bit and, and walk you through this. So I'm going to take a few more minutes to just talk a little bit about it. And then we're going to get into some wisdom smacks on how to start dealing with it and the like. Okay. So how about that? And thank you. I just want to say thank you, you guys. Today is episode number 155 and you all have been so wonderful showing up, listening. Some of you have been giving me great feedback, uh, sharing it with others. I want to say that I appreciate you. And um, yeah, it's something being uh, getting out here on this platform and sharing because yeah, you open yourself up to any and all things. And thank you because you all have been very loving and helped me to be able to continue to do it. So I appreciate that. And I wanted to just take that time to say thank you. Okay. So anyway, getting into um, this uh, best supporting award, aka uh, imposter syndrome. One of the things that uh, I have had to work with in myself and in others is this whole idea of self-doubt and self-denial and uh, my worthiness issues. Now, like I said before, I make no bones about it. I have no problems telling you what my karmic debt and karmic issues surround. And we've talked about it on different uh podcast where I've talked about the four karmic questions, existential issues that people have being resistance to life, victimhood, self-identity, and uh, self-worth. And for mine, I tend to love those bookends of resistance to life, which is kind of like, uh, it's kind of where you can't really commit to this life because you have divine homesickness. There's always a, a desire to get over something, you know, that I'm so tired of this kind of thing comes out. You are like, you don't suffer fools lightly and you want to just be like, okay, next. Or you're that thrill seeker who goes and once you conquer the mystery of something or the excitement of doing something, you're ready to move on. You have a problem with commitment. And then on my other side, okay, so because this is not about that, but on my other side is that word this issue. And that's where perfectionism and um, hypercritical um, criticisms come in um, and always wanting to be perfect. And that's what we would term divine exile, meaning that you feel like you're always trying to settle some debt of proving that you're worthy to achieve something. And it's always a fleeting kind of uh, something. So real quick, since I covered those two, the other two 
Victimhood. This is where we get codependency and we get uh, entitlement, where people believe that no one has it as bad as they do and that the world is out to get them. And if we're looking at a locus of control, this is an external locus of control because that person feels like the world is their adversary and that why are you picking on me and uh, woe is me. And thus they feel entitled because everybody else has it easier. So why don't they just help them out? When they don't recognize that everybody is in this, you know, the same. And just because you feel that way doesn't make it any less so. And then there is the identity person. This is the identity person who is like, tell me who I am. And they're always looking for who they are and on the outside. And so now can you see how each one of these existential issues, karmic debts, however you want to call it, can be affected by the great imposter? I thought you would see it that way. So now let's get into this. So the first thing I want to do is I want to go in and we're going to do a little decoding of some of the stuff that rides this, okay? And so one of them is this term of fake and fraud. And so going back to the etymology of the term fake, um, it believe it or not, was a colloquialism or a slang that was first documented in 1775 um, that was used to denote uh, someone um, disleading or trying to uh, artificially polish up something. And then in on to eighteen twelve, and this is English, by the way, on to eighteen twelve, it started to mean to rob someone to rob them. And then in 1851, it became a noun of a person. You're a fake, meaning that you were trying to swindle or rob people by presenting yourself as though you were something else. And they went on and said that it was a likely source from a German word meaning um, fague, F-E-A-G-U-E. And that meant to spruce up by artificial means or to polish or to sweep out the dirt on the surface, to clear out and to, to be able to plunder. And so when we looked at this quote unquote fake and fraud, it was a veneer. It was a covering over uh, the truth of who the person was. And thus, it became synonymous with criminal activity, with uh, thieving, robbing, swindling, pulling the wool over people's heads. And, and thus, the imposter syndrome uh, embraced it as its feeling like, you know, I am not this true person that I present to the world. And it's not that people are even cognitively trying to do that. It's, it's just what it is. And, you know, so then we moved on to trying to get people to understand it. Because I'm going to be honest with you, in, um, in the late 70s, I think it was around 1978, there were two psychologists, females, who uh, came up with the term imposter syndrome, and they attributed it to women especially women in the workforce, because this was a new thing. Uh, there had only been about a, a good generation, uh, well, a generation and a half, because women really started coming back into the workforce in uh, the 40s while the war was going on. And then in the 50s, they went back home a little bit to have the nuclear family. But then in the 60s, they came back out in full force having to work now. And uh, so the psychologist had uh, dealt with so many women and they kept seeing the same thing over and over again. And thus they coined this term, imposter syndrome. 
And as they went through it, they started to see certain things. And like I said before, they started to see that there was a disconnect between the truth of what they were doing and the truth of what they were feeling. So much so that it became cognitive dissonance. Now, cognitive dissonance, because some people always think, oh, you you know, cognitive dissonance. So let me just define that word too. I mean, that term, cognitive dissonance is when you're in a state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or even attitudes, especially when it relates to behavioral decisions and attitudes of change, meaning that some, you don't have a cohesiveness. You don't have that ability to click because these two thoughts are so opposing to each other that they create this big gap. It's where you're unable to recognize, uh, to reconcile the difference between what you do and how you're seen by others to what you know lurks within. And so they started seeing this. But then as the workforce of the 1980s kept demanding more and more. Uh, drug use in the professional realm uh, became more prevalent because at first it was like um, recreational drugs, love child, love power in the 60s. And then in the 80s, people were actually starting to use this stuff just to be able to do what they needed to do on their jobs. They were like, no, this is not just females. This is not just males. This is people from different walks of life, and it, we got to do something about it, okay? And so then they really started looking at it. And you guys, I know I'm throwing a lot of history and stuff at you, but I just kind of want to get us to the point where we can understand the wisdom for us today with a 21st century view by going back and looking at how this thing came about all the way from the uh, 18th century on down, okay? So I'm almost done with this part, but stick with me, okay? And so it came down to people starting to feel like they were undeserving and there was a lot of guilt, shame, and um, rejection, fear of rejection around this whole um, phenomenon. And now you can see why we call it a phenomenon, okay? And so people were like, when they were really honest with it, meaning they sought out uh, professional help and they were they were taken through this, a lot of people, they they were like, it was only by the luck of the draw that I'm here. I can't keep this going. I can't sustain this. I'm going to be found out. But there were other people that were, they had high senses of guilt. Like they would ask questions. What gives me the right to be here and experiencing the, these bounties of blessings? I am no smarter than anyone else. And yet everyone gives me these accolades and I can't live up to their expectations. And then there were those who had the fear of rejection where they would say things like the uh, amount of expectation that's foist upon me is so great that I cannot sustain this. I can't do this. I'm not the person that they think I am. I'm not the hero in this story. I am not as strong as people feel I am. So with those three major ones of uh, feelings of uh, only being lucky or having guilt or the fear of rejection and the amount of um, expectation put on them, I hope you're now starting to see how this is very prevalent in our society and in our world. And maybe, maybe you might be 
part of this because it is also hypothesized that a large portion of the population deals with this and doesn't realize that this is what they're dealing with. Okay. All right. So let's look at some other things because we're going to be getting into the wisdom smacks and the practicality of what you can do if you have dis- discovered that you might be a part of this um, this chorus, <laughs> if you will, of, a, of a would-be imposters, which you're not. Okay. It's just a syndrome. You're, you're, you're the real deal. Okay. So they look at, uh, I, I talked about the five big personality traits in uh, some other podcasts, and there's an acronym that we use to be able to remember them. And we call it OCEAN. And OCEAN stands for openness to experience. Uh, the C is conscientiousness. The E is extroversion. The A is agreeableness. And the N is neuroticism. And they, um, look at the level of neuroticism in people as part of their propensity to be uh, a victim of imposter syndrome. And neuroticism means uh, how sensitive and nervous are you versus how secure and confident are you. And when we look at the neuroticism, it's not about a fidgety, anxious person only. That is a caricature. No, it is about a person's ability to feel like they belong. Because when you belong, the more you belong, the more confident you are. And if you feel like you stick out like a sore thumb amongst most people, inevitably your confidence level goes down. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't act like you're confident. It means your internal sense of self when it comes to confidence suffers. And so a lot of people say, no, I don't have imposter syndrome. This is an act. I know it's an act because I'm consciously doing it to make it through my day. And people keep rewarding me for this act. And if that's you, it's fine too, because it's still imposter syndrome. Because I'm going to just say this, and this was a big wisdom smack that I had to get. And that was, even if you are the real imposter, you're doing such a bang up job that no one even wants to find out. And it was just that one thing there. No one even wants to find out. That freed me because it was like, oh, there is not this angry mob trying to hunt me down to try to figure out she's not the real thing. And I wish I would have known that after three master's degrees and starting to work on a PhD program because the student loan debt would have been cut. (laughs) But yet still, a lot of people, not just me, a lot of people continue to try to get the certifications, the awards, the ribbons, the award, I mean, um, the accolades to prove that they are worthy of getting what they get. And now it all is still, after all of these years of working on this, it still feels weird to say, yes, I am very good at what I do. Yes, I can appreciate any accolade and award I get for helping someone because yes, I have a body of work. I have proof. I have people and you know, and the whole thing. Um, And so I can't say that you ever get to the point where you're like, oh, I deserve this. No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that you will be able to get to a point where you can function like people who are not plagued with Imposter syndrome. So now let me get to some some practicalities of it. And yes, I got you. I want to make sure I save enough time to repeat, you know, recap uh, all the stuff we've covered. Okay. All right. So with the practicality of getting past the debilitating impact 
of imposter syndrome, the first thing I want you to realize is that life is a stage. It really is. And you are an actor meant to play various parts very well. That's the difference between a lot of people who suffer with imposter syndrome and a lot of people who don't. And that is they understand there are personas, public personas, public masks you put on so that when you go out into society, you're able to go out and not suffer a lot of trauma. Some people have even suggested that those who suffer what we would call mental illness are those who are either unwilling or unable to secure their mask before going outside. Uh-huh. Yep. And so understanding this, first and foremost, that you have personas. The next thing is, remember when I talked about the cognitive dissonance? It's this this distance between um, these two different ideas that you have a problem with. They are like discordant. They are like nails on a chalkboard. Well, that comes from, and we've talked about this in a previous uh, podcast, about ignoring or denying or being blind to your shadow side. And what a lot of people don't realize is the imposter or the fraud that you are trying to cover up with this persona is usually usually the other side, the, you know, the backside or the side side, however you want to call it. But the person who feels like an imposter because they're in a position where they always have to smile. They always have to be accommodating to people when all they really want to do is go sit down in the dark, where people leave them alone, that's not a bad thing. It is just that you are understanding that for every left, there is a right, every up, there is a down, every day, there is a night, and that you are a person of duality. And so embrace the fact that, yes, you have a shadow side. Don't be ashamed of it. You know, now, of course, don't let it run amok and just be a total Sour Patch Kid. <laughs> You'll get that if you listen to the other podcast that I did. But understand that that is still part of you and it has validity and it is a teacher. And once you start to embrace and understand that that is not a bad tendency to be beat down, but yet, but it is part of your personality, embrace it, love it. You're going to understand that, wow, this, this helps me have a better understanding and a more, a, a better groundedness to how I go about doing what I do. Okay. So, and then the next thing is, now this one is a big one. Learn to include others in your projects, in your, in your life and what you're doing. Uh, as I said before, um, Valerie Young, she's an expert on the subject and she's an author of some books. Uh, now hers are geared towards uh, women, but um, they still work. And she has boiled it down to these types of personality traits that have a bigger propensity to suffer from imposter syndrome. And she encourages us to ask for help, get help. And those are, and I've talked about them before on this particular segment, perfectionist experts, natural geniuses, soloists, and then supermen and superwomen. You need to allow others to help you and not be so strict on yourself when it comes to what you do, who you are, and how you betray it. And when you have um, a hard time doing something or when if you're a natural genius and you have to work hard for something that you're not used to having to work hard for, Ask people, get the help, 
Get people involved. Don't try to go it alone. There, That is something else that I can tell you is the truth because it is something that I constantly have to work on and deal with. Getting help, asking for help when you need it, and being vulnerable. The next thing is, is to embrace constructive criticism, understanding that it is not a total rejection. It is not there to hurt you. It is there to help you, to to help you grow and to be better. And that those people don't hate you. Those people are not making a mockery of you. Those people are not thinking any less of you. If anything, those people are loving you because they run the risk of you having uh, saltiness or being upset with them for saying something. Now, I will say this, constructive criticism, and I've covered this in another podcast. You know what? I guess after 155 podcasts, I can't say I've covered a lot of stuff, but um, constructive criticism should come from those who are your colleagues and mentors. It should not come from the peanut gallery in the stands who have never done what you're doing. That's just catty comments. That's not constructive criticism. Criticism comes from those who understand what you need to do. And that's why they call it constructive because they can give specifics on how to change, grow, and evolve. Okay. So do not, do not shirk away from constructive criticism. Do not feed that fear of rejection. And now I'm going to talk real quickly about an actual exercise that you can do that I've used with myself and many others um, that will help you get on the pathway to dealing with your imposter syndrome. If you realize you have it, if you've already known you had it, you can start to work on it, okay? You can start to work on it today. And that is, now this is, um, we call it restoring fragments of self. And when you tend, when you when you have these imposter syndrome thoughts that uh, lurk in your mind and tell you you're not worthy or tell you you don't deserve it or it was just luck or you're going to get found out or uh, how long can you keep this mask in place or how long can you trick these people into thinking that you can give them what they're expecting, I want you to stop and ask yourself this, does this thought help or hinder you? And if it hinders you, you know, acknowledge the thought, meaning that I see this thought and I am grateful that now I know what this thought is and then excuse it out of your mind. And this is the part that will really help you. I need you to pretend, imagine, imagine, or if you're able to visualize a little shard of glass or a, a little shard of something that was broken, I want you to see that as what's left over from that thought that you finally released. And I want you to bring that shard back into yourself and lock it down into its proper place because that shard of that thought was causing you not to be a whole person. And as you release that thought or thoughts, see yourself bringing those shards and putting them back into perfect placement where there are no cracks, no seams, but that they are perfectly placed and lock them in to stay forevermore. I know something so simple can do a lot, but some people call it ego restoration. But for us, for you, when these thoughts come, acknowledge that they came and you don't have to thank it. You know, you can just say, you know, okay, I see it. 
And once you ask yourself, is this here to help or hinder me? Or it may be that you ask, is this the truth or is this the story I'm telling myself? Because that's actually another one. Because sometimes people tell themselves stories and narrations in their mind that are not true and that are detrimental. And if it is a story that can help you, embrace it. It is not part of your shards. If it is a story or a thought that does not help you, but only hinders you, keeps you stagnant, stale, or are defeated, release it, grab that shard, put it back into place, and keep it moving. And you're going to find that the more you do that, you're actually going to have a physical representation of well-being restored. And I'm not going to say it's going to happen overnight. It depends on you as the person, how frequently you have these thoughts, how frequently you are assailed by the internet, uh, uh, oh, the internet, Lord, the imposter syndrome phenomenon. But take the time to self-love and to do that. And it's going to help you. All right. So in my last few minutes, let me go back and do a recap of some of the stuff we covered because we covered a lot with this whole imposter syndrome. And what I want you to understand is that imposter syndrome has to deal with your denial and your doubt about who you are. And uh, and it sets up a, a, a cognitive dissonance. And remember, that's the state of having inconsistent thoughts, uh, unable to reconcile the differences between them. Okay, and so what I want you to do for the self-denial and the self-doubt is I want you to do the little exercise and bring it back in and understand that you have uh, all of yourself and not just the perfect side that you hope people see. Embrace the dark side, embrace all of the parts of you, the parts that are imperfect as well as the parts that people tend to love. And then understand that we, from fake, you are not fake because you're not just putting a veneer on. You are willing to show people elements of your true self through your persona. So it's not like you're tricking anyone or any of that kind of stuff. And even if you were an imposter, you're doing a bang up job because that's the person people want. And nobody is really coming after you to try to dismantle um, the persona that you've put out there. All right. And so with that, Understand, if you have a high neuroticism level to your personality, meaning that uh, your sensitivity and nervousness is higher than your uh, sense of security and confidence, work on that. And you can work on that by using that restorative uh, exercise I just gave you of when you have the thoughts, evaluating them, the bad thoughts get shooed away, exiled, and then you bring the shards in, putting them back in. So guess what, y'all? Mm-hmm. My time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. Mwah. See you tomorrow. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.